Habakkuk 3.17 says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. It's not looking so good right now. Verse 18 says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And the reason why, verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills. I want to preach to you from this title today, yet I will. Why don't you try that out with me and everybody say that back. Everybody say, yet I will. Amen. You may be seated. Now, little is known about the prophet Habakkuk in his three-chapter book. Habakkuk is just one of the 12 minor prophets who give us some commentary during a very tragic and volatile uh, period of ancient Israelite history. A century earlier, the northern kingdom of Israel had fallen to Assyria. Now the Babylonian armies would soon sack and burn Jerusalem and the southern kingdom to carry the majority of the population into exile. These were dark times. The setting of Habakkuk is just likely uh, to the prior of the fall of Judah in early 6th century B.C., I want to reiterate, this was a difficult season for God's people. Prior to the writing of Habakkuk and the other prophetic books, the nation of Israel was divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. I want to dive into this for just a moment to give some context to Habakkuk and point something out for the church today. The first king of Israel was Saul. Next was David, a man after God's own heart, and then Solomon, the wise builder of the temple. Now, following these three kings is when the kingdom of Israel, it splits apart. And the two people who play a key role in this split are Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam, he's the son of Solomon, and he's the next heir to the throne. Rehoboam, though, he did not act in wisdom like his father did. Rehoboam, he disregarded his father's counselors, and he decided that he was going to listen to his own young counselors. And from their advice, he thought it'd be a great idea as the new young king of Israel just to show everybody who was boss. That always goes over really well, right? His father Solomon had to tax the people heavily to build that wonderful, majestic temple. But now, Rehoboam unwisely increased the tax burden of the people. And it seems to be an age-old problem that no one likes raised taxes. 1 Kings 12, 14, Rehoboam said, My father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. Now, this obviously didn't go over very well, and it was such a big deal that it caused a civil war. The nation of Israel to Brexit, to split apart. 
Then comes Jeroboam, a son of Solomon's servants. He's a nobody, but he decided to lead 10 tribes, and they get in this revolt against Rehoboam, and now Jeroboam becomes the king of Israel in the north. Now, things begin to quickly go downhill from there as the nation and many of the people turn from God. We're introduced to characters like Ahab and Jezebel and worshiping of idols. And Habakkuk, he comes at the very end of this difficult and this divided time before the kingdom of Judah is in captivity. Now, despite the faithfulness of God and the warnings of the prophet, both of the nations, uh, the nation of Israel, forgot the Lord. They worshiped idols, and they continue in their divisive state. And therefore, they were punished, and they were removed from their promised land. And from the outset of my message today, I want us to be reminded that God has a special plan and the purpose for the church. If you believe that, say amen. He also has a special plan for you individually and for you as a family, for the church, for such a time as this. But we cannot accomplish what God has in store for us if we allow ourselves to be divided. Now, right now, this world needs the people of God. This world needs the church united like never before. And I echo the words of Paul that we cannot allow ourselves to focus on the issues that divide the people of God. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and in purpose. And as we move into this new year and into this new season, let our passions and our focus be on what matters most. Amen? Let us get back to our spiritual roots. Let us unite around the foundation of the church. Ephesians 2, 19 through 20 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom the whole building being fitted together, it grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together. Everybody say together for a dwelling place of God in this spirit. So church, let us unite around the precious truth of the word of God that we hold so dear. Amen. Let us unite around our God-given purpose at this time and the mission of our church to help lead people who are lost into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, to help develop people who are new to the church and to fully devoted followers of him. And if you believe it, say amen. Amen. In the Old Testament, 
during this season of Israel's division and the ungodliness that we read about God, he raised up these prophets, beginning with Elijah, as you read through your Bible and the major and the minor prophets. As you read through the Bible, though, it can be a little bit confusing, and the prophetic books can be unclear and hard to understand at times about what's taking place and to whom the prophets are actually speaking to. During this season of division, some prophets, they spoke to the nation of Israel as a whole. Other prophets were specifically speaking just to the northern kingdom. Other prophets were just speaking to the southern kingdom. So it kind of helps to figure out where these prophetic books are being directed to. But what is very clear through this whole season is that in the middle of division, in the middle of ungodliness, in the midst of destruction, the people desperately needed to hear the clear voice of God. And more than ever before, we as a church, we must hear the voice of God. After the children of Israel, they escaped the bondage of Egypt. They were in this state of wandering in the wilderness, but they were clearly led by a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. There was no mistaking by whom they were being led and where they were going. And that is vital that we as a church are spirit-filled and spirit-led in this time. John 16, 13 affirms this by telling us how much we need the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, to reveal the guiding truth in God's word in our lives. And in these divisive times, these dark times, we have to follow the instructions of Psalms 119, 105. We have got to let the word of God be a lamp unto our feet so we know what our next step is going to be. We've got to have the word of God as a light unto our path, to give us vision unto where we need to go in the future. We can't rely on our own opinions. They're not good enough. We can't rely on the many contradicting voices that we're bombarded by in this world that try to speak into our lives and speak into our families. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, you trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean unto your own understanding. In all of your ways, you acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Amen? We need a clear and a certain voice of truth in these uncertain times. So let the church say, yet I will stay full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Yet I will stay grounded in the truth of God's holy word. As I've already mentioned, Habakkuk, he lived during this time and they were stuck with idolatry and evil. Powerful people were unaccountable and committed violence on the innocent. As you read through this three-chapter book, you see this unfolding conversation that takes place between Habakkuk and the Lord. Habakkuk, he kicks off uh, with a series of laments. Now, lamenting sounds like a good biblical word, right? But other translations just clear things up for us and reveal that Habakkuk basically had a complaint session with the Lord. Now, next time you're in a not-so-great mood, just tell others, I'm not complaining, I'm lamenting right now. As we read Habakkuk's complaint, his lament, it was about the injustices 
of his day. A simple pattern unfolds. Habakkuk complained, God responded. Habakkuk complained again, God responded. It's really deep to understand. I hope you're following me. It seems pretty simplistic, but I want to pause so you can understand the magnitude of this situation. Habakkuk is in a dark place, a difficult season and a time, and he is crying out to the Lord, complaining no less. But then the creator of the universe, God Almighty, is taking the time to hear his complaints, and he takes time to respond to Habakkuk. And I want us to say this, that it's okay to have some direct conversations with the Lord. How many of you are a firm believer of that? It's okay to have some moments of transparency with Jesus Christ. Psalms 18, 6 says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and I cried out to my God and he heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him even to his ears. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who hears our cries, amen? And when we cry out to him, our words don't fall on deaf ears. Rather, he cares enough to listen to you and to respond to you. We'll go a step further that in tough times, you need that spiritual outlet. In a stormy season, you need to unload that heavy burden that you've been carrying during this season of life. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us the way that we should do it is we should cast all our cares upon him for he cares for you. So like Habakkuk, For us, if you're in times of distress, if you're having questions like God, like many of us do right now, or maybe you're just frustrated and fired up, let the church first respond with a yet, I will call upon the Lord. Amen? I want you to see how God responds to Habakkuk. I think it has some powerful applications to the church today. And God's first reply, he gives a little bit of perspective, even though He doesn't have great news for Habakkuk. Basically, things are bad, but much worse is coming. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying this is what the Lord is speaking to the church for us today. That's unknown to me. But God told Habakkuk, guess what? I'm raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, to conquer the known world, this evil nation. Habakkuk was familiar with them, how ungodly they were as a people. So he... Habakkuk, as you, would, um, as you would see, was very surprised that God would use this evil empire to accomplish his purpose. Now, maybe some of you are surprised by what's going on right now in our country, what's going on in our world, and I'll be quick to let you know I don't have all the answers. And many of you, like Habakkuk, may be asking God right now, Why? Why, God, why is this happening in my family? Why is this happening in our church? Why is this happening in our nation? On Wednesday night in our crowd youth service, right before I came up to talk to our students, I felt the Lord prompted me to tell the students this, that there must come a time when we quit asking God why and we start asking God what. No longer should we ask God, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? But I feel that the Lord is wanting us to start asking God, what are you preparing me for? God, what are you preparing the church for at this time? Remember, God's not surprised 
by what we're going through right now. He knows exactly why. He's in control. He's not left us. He's not forsaken the church. And he still has a special plan and a purpose for our lives, for this church. But like Habakkuk, even though I may not understand it all, I know that God has the master plan. And I know that I want to be in the will of God. Amen. I know that I want to fulfill my individual calling and purpose at this time. So I want to encourage you to no longer focus on the why in this season, but let something start to shift in your spirit and start focusing in on the what that God wants you to pursue. The what that God has in store for your family and for our church in this time. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know, we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And even though you may not understand it all like me, believe that God is going to work all this together for the good. Amen. So you can say, yet I will put my trust in the Lord at this time. After God responds, Habakkuk seemed to comprehend, but he was still having a hard time accepting the word of the Lord. Maybe that's happened to you before. I hear you, God, but I'm not feeling it right now. Maybe he was in a state of denial, but he continued to protest in Habakkuk 1-2. And we read a second, another complaint. Habakkuk argued that Babylon, they must be judged and punished for their sins. This is an evil nation. He pointed out, God, your people, the righteous, are suffering along with the transgressors. This just doesn't make sense. Like many others throughout history have experienced oppression or injustice, the prophet complained that the Lord seemed unwilling to put an end to the evil and the suffering that he observed all around him. And the Lord gives this three-part response. In the first part, he assures Habakkuk, that the wicked would eventually be brought to account despite their apparent exemption. And while the wicked may prosper in the short term, the Lord promised to show the prophet their true end. God gives nations and individuals freedom, temporary freedom, including the freedom to do evil. But hear me today, he will certainly establish justice sooner or later. Well, God's authority may not be obvious in our current world in some areas. Habakkuk 2.14 informs us that one day the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And in that day, all will acknowledge that the Lord is in his holy temple. Both the prideful boasts of the wicked and bitter complaints of the suffering will fall silent before the Lord. So church... Don't worry about that which is out of your control right now. I know we do that a lot. We worry about things that we cannot do, or we cannot handle, that we cannot control. And it's equally important that we don't try to take matters into our own hands. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Amen? So there's only so much that we can do on our own. We are limited within our human capabilities. But what we can start doing is start trusting God with the situations of our lives. We can start trusting God with the issues that we face. Amen? 
No matter who, no matter what we're dealing with right now, what you can say is, yet I'm going to hand this over to you, God. I don't understand what's happening. It doesn't make sense to me, but you're in control, and I am going to place this in your hands. The second part of his response, the Lord reminded the prophet that those who are righteous and faithful will be rewarded. While the nation of Israel had turned from God, there was still a righteous remnant. You read about this, a righteous remnant that would be rewarded. And church, families, while you may not be able to control what is happening in the world at large right now, you can control what is happening in your world. Amen? And it's so important that you trust God and continue to live righteously, even when compromising seems to be the best way out. Even when compromising commitments, it may seem to be the best thing to offer greater benefits in your life right now. But simply put, it will be worth it in the end. Amen? It was worth it for those heroes of faith. And we follow their examples in Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. No matter where you live or what point of history that you live in, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed and rewarded by God. So as for me and my house during this time, we will serve the Lord. I can't control what's going on in this world, but I can control what I'm going to do today. I can control how I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. Amen? No matter what others do, let us say, yet God, I will be faithful. No matter what others do, yet God, I will not turn my back on you. Yet I will serve the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. In the third part of God's response, he simply assured Habakkuk that I am in control. I'm so thankful that no matter how to, out of control our world may seem, we have a God that once again is in complete control. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed right now, church. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Aren't you thankful for the assurance of God's word that he's in control? Remember, he holds the whole world in his hands, and that simple reminder should bring peace into our lives. That word should bring a calm into the middle of the church during this season of storms. No matter how out of control this world may seem, yet I will remember, God, you are in control. Finally, we come back to our opening text at the end of this brief prophetic book. And after having a conversation with the Lord, Habakkuk moves from complaint to prayer and praise. Something shifted in his spirit. 
And I want to remind you once again that there is nothing more powerful than having a conversation with God. There's nothing more beneficial in your day than spending time in the presence of Jesus Christ. It's amazing how he can help change your mindset and your outlook on the situations that you're in the middle of in. And you can believe that with Jesus Christ, there can be a renewing of your mind according to 12, 12 of Romans 12.2, excuse me. Before there was doubt and there was question. Before there was uncertainty and complaint. But now in his life there is peace and understanding. But now there is faith and now there is perspective. And now in his life there is fullness of joy. Habakkuk, he begins, he's celebrating the past victories and the deliverances of the Lord. And finally, he resolved to trusting and waiting on the Lord. At the close of his writings, he offers this amazing expression of hope and faith in God, which has been the focus of my message today and what I believe the Lord laid on my heart for our church. Habakkuk 3, 17, a hymn of faith. No longer a complaint, a lament to God, but now it's a hymn of faith. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food. Oh, things don't look good right now. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, there be no herd in the stalls. Verse 18, Habakkuk now rises to say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Now, even though things are going down in our society, even though things don't look good, though I will joy in the God God of my salvation, because the Lord is my strength. Amen. Can we thank the Lord right now for his strength and his help in these uncertain times? Lord, I love you and I thank you for your word, God. When I don't understand, when I can't see the beginning from the end, you have a sure word for the church, Lord, that you are in control, God, that there should be no fear, God, no worry, no stress, God, but to march forward with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Habakkuk did not see God work the way that he had hoped, but he stands as a great example of faith in the history of God's people. Although he lived through a difficult time, he had heard from God. That's all he needed was that voice of God in his life, and he held faithful to that word. He held on to that promise. He heard from God, and he remained faithful, and ultimately, he was able to rejoice. Rejoicing, that's an act of faith, that God, you are in control, and that the church will ultimately triumph, and the kingdom of God will prevail. And I pray that this timeless and prophetic word of God from Habakkuk would challenge you to do the same. Even though there's difficulties in our world, though there is conflict and confusion all around, even though there is opposition, there's opportunity for offense around every corner, the church must persevere, amen? The church must unite and push forward like never before. The church must be found faithful 
We cannot miss out on God's plan and purpose in this season. We cannot grow impatient or lose faith. Therefore, I pray that there is a renewed sense of hope and trust in Jesus Christ in your life today. That the joy of the Lord would be your strength in these times. As we move into a new year with uncertainty of the future, I pray that you would have enough faith that would say, come what may yet I will. Amen? Yet I will faithfully serve Jesus Christ. Yet I will stay commitment to the truth of God's word. Yet I will move forward in my calling and purpose as a child of God. Yet I will stay committed to the mission of the church and my place of ministry. Yet I will rejoice.